Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. The FT. Welcome to this edition of World Weekly with me, Gideon Rachman. This week we look at Iran, where the presidential election over the weekend sprang a surprise, or rather two surprises. The first surprise was that a reformist-backed candidate, Hassan Rouhani, won the election on the first ballot. Surprise number two was that the ruling regime let the results stand, avoiding a repeat of the bloody confrontations that followed the last Iranian presidential election in 2009. So what now for Iran, and where do Iran's relations with the outside world go from here? Joining me on the line from Tehran is our bureau chief there, Najmi Buzegmeh, and here in the studio is Rula Khalaf, a Middle East editor. Najmi, first, tell us about the mood in Tehran. Were people very surprised or elated when it happened? Yes, people were absolutely surprised. Not that Mr. Rouhani won, because people expected, to a large extent, for Mr. Rouhani to go to a second round with a fundamentalist candidate. But what surprised people was that the regime let that happen. And do they now expect change, or is there a sense that Mr. Rouhani, although he is a kind of new face for the presidency, won't have the power within the system? No, there is absolutely a lot of hope for change. And uh, people are extremely happy. Reformists are very happy. Moderate forces are very happy. I see people congratulating each other, and politicians congratulating each other. So the mood is very positive and uh, something that Iran had not seen for four or eight years. And, and what kind of changes do people most want at this stage? Are they looking for internal social change, uh, economic reform, the outside world, or some combination of them all? I would say that the main problem is the economy, but the solution to fixing the economy goes through international relations, improving ties with the outside world, especially over the nuclear program, and people want sanctions to be eased. So Mr. Rouhani's campaign focused on that, and uh, that helped him uh, win uh, the election. Okay, well, Rula, if people in Iran want a new relationship with the outside world, want sanctions to be eased, what do you think the chances are of having this kind of positive dialogue with with the West and particularly with the US, which has led the campaign? I think um, just as in, in uh, inside Iran, I think the election of Rouhani has raised quite a bit of hope outside that perhaps... Iran might now be ready for some kind of compromise on on the nuclear issue. I think people were struck by the fact that the regime did allow him to win. There is also a rationale for the supreme leader, who is the decision maker ultimately here, um, to have allowed this election because the candidates that we assumed he was backing did extremely badly. I mean, th- this election's campaign started with uh, Saeed Jalili as the frontrunner, and he was presumed to be the leader's candidate. So I think the fact that Mr. Rouhani was allowed 
to win. The fact that he ran a campaign specifically on the issue of the economy and spoke so much about easing sanction and also his own background. He was the chief nuclear negotiator a decade ago. And between 2003 and 2005, Iran did suspend uranium enrichment. It was the only period where there was a compromise. So I think that has raised a lot of hope. Obviously, Western officials are going to continue to be cautious because they will want to see whether he has sufficient room to maneuver. As I said, these are decisions that are taken by the supreme leader. But there is now a sense of optimism that possibly this is a time when Iran can rely on the popular mandate for an easing of sanction in order to justify some kind of uh, nuclear deal and possibly even relations with the US. But, you know, it's on both sides, we've seen a bit of signaling. And I think we'll have to see a lot more signaling and a lot more preparation. I don't think any of the two sides are going to rush into anything right away. And yet, uh, you know, if you talk to the kind of security types in the West, they they have felt that there needs to be a breakthrough in negotiations quite soon because the Iranian nuclear program, so they say, is making progress. So how do you think the Americans in particular will play this negotiating track? I mean, are they going to make some kind of new offer, do you think, or wait for the Iranians? The nuclear negotiations with Iran are led by uh, the five permanent members of the Security Council in Germany. But there's always been an assumption that in order for these talks to really progress and lead to a breakthrough, you need a parallel channel, a more discreet channel of negotiations between the US and Iran. And that without that, it is unlikely that we will reach a breakthrough. There is also obviously a completely different timelines that people set on Iran's nuclear program and its breakout uh, capacity. Israel obviously has a much shorter timeline than the US. I think in Europe generally it is thought that it will take perhaps 18 months, you know, if a decision was taken today before Iran is actually able to have a deliverable weapon. I think there's a consensus that the decision has not been taken yet. So I think there is a little bit of time. I think we're likely to see overtures from from the US, but possibly we won't know about them. Possibly they'll be a lot more discreet because that is what both sides may want at, at a time like this. And how much is the situation complicated by the fact that, meanwhile, there's this terrible civil war going on in Syria, Iran very fully in behind the Assad regime, who President Obama has on record as saying President Assad has to go. So there's a kind of regional conflict bubbling away as well. One assumes those two will kind of run into each other. Or is it possible to keep them on separate tracks? I think on the nuclear side, there's always been a desire um, in in the West to keep the nuclear issue separate from everybody else. On the Iranian side, the negotiators have always wanted to bring in other issues and perhaps try to bargain by giving in somewhere else rather than on the on the nuclear issue. So I would suspect that in the direct nuclear negotiations with the P5 plus one, it will remain as a nuclear issue. But if we reach a point of negotiations with the US, then obviously that will be much, much broader and Syria will will be part of that. Najma, can you give us a sense of how you think the government in Tehran feels about its own security at the moment in the broader regional context? I mean, do they feel very worried by what's going on in Syria? And indeed, 
how do they view the possibility of, on the other border, the American withdrawal from Afghanistan next year? Um, generally speaking, the Iranian regime thinks if the U.S. does very well in the region, then they may come and uh, think of regime change in Iran or disrupting security in Iran. So you won't let the U.S. Um, enjoy complete security in regional countries, especially in neighboring countries. So Iran is very conscious of the fact that you have to do your fight uh, in Syria rather than at Iran's borders. But generally speaking, they feel that they are quite safe now that Mr. Rouhani has won. They are safe in terms of any military confrontation in the region. But what worried the regime, I think, was the social wave, the kind of popular uprising in the region. What if Iranian people would do the same? A lot of feelings of insecurity have been allayed uh, by by the victory of Mr. Rouhani. Uh, and Rula, I mean, one of the themes that we hear a lot of talk of is this Sunni-Shia split uh, in, in Syria and elsewhere. Um, but one of the first things that Rouhani said in, in a press conference was that he wanted excellent relations with Saudi Arabia, which is seen as the leader of the kind of Sunni camp in the Arab world. So is he possibly also conciliate on that front? I think th- this regional re- relationship is is very important, particularly at a time when Iran and Saudi Arabia are essentially fighting a proxy war in Syria because they're backing different sides. I think Mr. Rouhani comes from a part of the Iranian regime that has traditionally had much better relations with Saudi Arabia. And it was quite interesting that he gave an interview during his campaign to the leading Saudi newspaper, sending a message that he wants better relations. I think... Iran, while in its military adventures, inflames sectarian sentiment. Its more traditional policy is that it does not want a Shia-Sunni conflict. And I think that is something that Mr. Rouhani, as opposed to other people in, in, in the regime, the hardliners in the regime, would feel much more strongly. And so I think, you know, definitely the ability to even speak to Saudi Arabia, to have some kind of dialogue with Saudi Arabia uh, is is good news for the region. Uh, and uh, we heard from there from Najma that people feel a bit more secure with Rouhani as president, less vulnerable to a military attack. Viewed from outside, how do you see Iran's security situation? I mean, is what's happening in Syria a threat, an opportunity, both? Um, no doubt that if uh, it depends on what, what happens in, in Syria. But for Iran... Maintaining the regime of Bashar al-Assad, which has been an asset and the conduit to Hezbollah in in Lebanon, um, is is very important. I think Iran would feel a lot more vulnerable if the Assad regime were to go. Well, thank you very much for that, Rula. And before I, I let you go, Najma, I gather that celebrations continue in Tehran today, but for a different reason. Can you tell us about that? Yes, today Iran qualified for the 2014 World Cup in Brazil and uh, people found another excuse after Saturday's celebrations to have another celebration uh, and street parties. So people quickly pulled into the streets, um, blowing honks and dancing and distributing sweets. So people are very happy. It looks as if 
Mr. Rouhani has brought a lot to the country. Okay, well, so so a good week in Tehran. So thank thank you very much indeed, Najma in Tehran. Thanks also to Rula Khalaf here in the studio in London. That's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.